0: And the big goal above all that is raising the standard of living of girls and women. Everybody is happier when the standard of living of women and girls is raised, let alone women and girls. Everybody's happier.
1: Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Britt Co., All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. We've got a super-sized episode for you guys today with two incredible guests, scientists Bill Nye and Mayim Bialik. First up, listen in to my conversation with Bill as we cover science hacks for everyday life, how to stay healthy according to science, and his thoughts on climate change. Then stay tuned for a special bonus segment with neuroscientist and Emmy-nominated actress Miam Bialik as she connects science and mental health. Now on to the show. Hi, Bill, childhood icon of mine and adult icon of mine. Thank you so much for being here. It's so
0: good to be here.
1: Part of my reason for doing this episode is because I think as adults, you know, we, we all take science classes growing up. We learn about, you know, things like the periodic table and all these facts about biology and space. And then, you know, we become adults and we forget a lot of them and we don't realize how much... Of science can actually be incorporated into our daily lives. So in today's episode, we're kind of going to bounce around a little bit because I'm picking some fun categories that I think all these listeners should know about, especially if they're, you know, living, breathing adult human beings. Um, but first, maybe tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately during the pandemic besides educating us all via TikTok.
0: Well, yeah, that's been my main thing every all, all 10 minutes of those. No, so uh, I've been doing this. Brit, I've been on Zoom or Zoom-style calls every day, almost every weekend uh, since this thing started. It's been quite an unusual time. But I'm double vaccinated, people. And to those of you who haven't gotten vaccinated yet, get vaccinated as soon as you can. Because then you can go outside and party on and sit with your <laughs> friends and talk, spit on each other or whatever you're going to do. And-
1: exactly. Oh, I hope I'm not. Don't spit on me, please. I, I'm still a little bit wary. I just did my first commercial airplane flight and I'm still claustrophobic around other people. So, but, But Bill, you've been a leading science expert for decades now. I have to ask you this to kick off. What are some of the most common questions you get asked over and over again?
0: What can I do about climate change? What's the one thing I can do about climate change? What are the top 10 things? I, what are the three things I can do about climate change?
1: Wow. All climate change. Well,
0: you, those are very common. Why is the sky yeah. blue is common. Enough. Why
1: is the sky blue? Uh,
0: the word why is fabulous, but there's a phenomenon in nature where molecules can scatter uh, light, electromagnetic radiation. And the word scatter is a specific mathematical expression or physical science, physics expression. And so when the light ray hits the molecule, it bounces off in some other direction, a direction other than straight back. Do you know what I mean? It's like a prism
1: of light. I remember yes. learning about light and prisms and. And white is actually all the colors, right? Something like that.
0: It's still true, <laughs> yes. Isaac Newton okay, showed good. that pretty compelling. Okay, I'm compelling doing good fashion. so far. I'm retaining my memory. And you've probably seen rainbows. I'm obsessed
1: with rainbows, Bill. If you don't know me, you should know that about me.
0: Oh, well, it's good to know uh, <laughs> about you. And so rainbows and, and prisms are refraction, changing the direction of a beam of light is refraction because different wavelengths are refracted or change direction in the prism different amounts it spreads the frequencies out and you see the colors well in the case of scattering it doesn't change the direction of the beam in the same way because it's not passing through the molecule it's bouncing off the molecule and the thing that is the same is different frequencies are bounced off at different angles Hmm. So what happens is it goes as the fourth power, the square of the square Mm -hmm. of the frequency. And it's called Rayleigh scattering. But Mm -hmm. blue light is scattered, is higher frequency than red light, and it gets scattered way more than red light. So when you look away from the sun, but at the sky, are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. You see blue. Okay. You don't see red. Then at, at sunset and sunrise... The blue is scattered away so strongly because Ah. at that, when the sun's low in the sky, if you think about it, it's passing through more atmosphere. Whoa, dude, dude, that's like so out there. It's passing through a curve of the atmosphere. And so there's so much blue light scattered so aggressively that all that's left is the red.
1: Okay, so wait, this isn't about the ocean reflecting into the sky? Oh, that's
0: a, that's true also. Okay, that's
1: not, okay, just making sure my parents didn't lie to me.
0: I got into a thing with Carl Sagan himself about that.
1: Really? So both of those things are true.
0: Well, the, the ocean reflects the blue sky.
1: I see. Under I
0: see. the right conditions. I see. The angle has to be just the right uh, thing. Oh. And you know, everybody sees his or her own rainbow. How much fun is that? So, when the light comes from behind you, sunlight comes from behind you, goes into the raindrop, bounces off the back of the raindrop, and is refracted like a lens, like a prism going in and coming out of the raindrop. If that angle from the sunlight to the raindrop to your eye is about 42 degrees, you see a rainbow. If it's much more than or much less than that, you don't see a rainbow.
1: Wow. Interesting. I must always have 42 degrees because I see a lot of rainbows <laughs> in my worldview.
0: But just try this talking about the sky and its blueness. Get a glass of water and put in a few drops of milk and shine a flashlight through it. And you'll get that. You'll get those colors oh. from scattering.
1: Scattering. Scattering versus refraction. Learn. That's it. I love it. Thank you. We already got our first lesson.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you're also you're kind of taking my word for it. So uh, wow. try it.
1: Okay, I will. I've but had I do kind one, of trust you, so.
0: So, Britt, here's one that makes a feller like me a little crazy. Okay. Or crazier. Uh, hey, Bill, Bill Nye, is it true that hot water freezes faster than cold water? Is that true? And I'd be very surprised if that person doesn't have access to a freezer. <laughs> this is to say in the developed world where we are, where life is pretty great, we got electricity and Zoom calls for podcasts, you can get to a freezer and you can try that experiment for yourself. Right. Like you don't really need me, right?
2: Mm, right.
0: And what I find fascinating is it doesn't seem to occur to people. Like if you're that interested in it, try it.
1: Try it. Yeah. Living life as an experiment and just trying experiments throughout the day is is a is a way to pique your curiosity and suffice your well, curiosity. And
0: make okay. discoveries and change the course of human history. So Right, well that too. Back in the day, the early days of the Science Guy show, we had these meetings, and uh, what we need—look, uh, uh, Bill, Jim, and Aaron—we were the producers. Uh, what we need—we need a way for the to engage the audience, so that we have a call to the action, to action, so that the viewer is motivated to participate. Okay, so we had this full-screen graphic that said, "Try it."
1: <laughs> that's all oh, you Oh, that's do. brilliant.
0: That's oh my God. That's how did you come up with that? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs>
1: Well, that's what I, I'm. I'm serious, though. I think more people, uh, especially in the digital age today, we we Google things and we learn about things and we watch YouTube videos and we aren't doing as much as we used to. I mean, I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to grow up in like the '90s, before we had, uh, you know, a bunch of internet, and that's what my childhood was. I, I had to figure things out on my own. It's why I run a company that is focused on do it yourself <laughs> literally like that's the whole point of Brit Co is to teach women how to try things and do things on their own and give them the skills to do so so i appreciate you um backing me up in that cause and i want to jump actually to um cooking and cleaning because this is another hot topic especially on the britainco site we cover a lot of cooking and diy as i mentioned what cooking hacks do you have that might leverage science
0: This isn't even a tip. This is a recipe. Okay. If you want to do this, your life will be changed as mine was during the pandemic.
1: Good lead in. Okay. I'm excited to hear this.
0: Well, during the pandemic, I got involved in bread making. It's so easy to make this fabulous bread, but here's what it is a kilo of flour, 1,000 grams of flour. That's metric. I could never, everybody in the world uses the metric system. You can figure it out. Google it. 1,000 grams of flour. Okay. 720 milliliters. Milliliters? That's impossible. I can't read anything. (laughs) 720 milliliters of water. 22 grams of salt, which sounds like a lot, Mm -hmm. but it's perfect. Okay. And then if you're going to make it that day, like you're going to start it in the morning, you're going to cook it that night, put in like four grams of yeast. Four grams of yeast. I could never... You can figure it out. Okay. (laughs) It's a quarter of a teaspoon or something. But as your core gets harder... As you become harder core, as I have.
1: <laughs> yes, we all have.
0: You will make this thing the day before or the evening, the afternoon before and let it rise overnight okay. and then start making bread the next day. And yeah, what I do is divide it into sevenths or sometimes sixths. And I put the individual masses of dough in plastic containers and store them in the refrigerator. And there's a verb, a baker's verb, proof, the dough proofs, Mm -hmm. which means it does the last bit of rising as it comes generally to room temperature. It keeps proofing in the refrigerator for days. You can take it out and stretch it out onto a baguette pan and and bake it almost right away. I mean, wait 10 minutes if you feel like it. But here are the tricks that was apparently discovered in the 1970s in France when people started mass producing baguettes, you know, undoing the ancient French tradition of whatever this and that might be. Mm -hmm. You mix the water and the flour and let it sit for a half hour, 25 minutes. And this is a process called autolyzing, where enzymes in the flour start cutting the proteins of the flour apart. And it Hmm. just gives the bread a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. It cannot be asked, that is an improvement. So mix it, let it sit for a half hour, then add the, the salt and yeast, fold it, squeeze it, Pincer, squeeze it, blah, blah, blah. let it sit there, do that again in 10 minutes, do that again in an hour or so, or three hours. And then the next morning, you or the next day, you're ready to baguette it up.
1: Oh, after it's proofed in the refrigerator. Speaking
0: of bread, the bread I just described has yeast in it. Okay. Yeast is a living thing.
1: Yeah, it's an organism. That
0: we cook <laughs> at 470 Fahrenheit till it's dead. And then we eat this living thing. Yeah, that's right. But there's another expression, shortbread. And that's where you have an acid and a base, generally baking soda, and something mildly acidic. And then when you get it wet, uh, the acid and the base mix, and uh, you get bubbles of carbon dioxide. And that's what shortbread is. It's short because it's done much shorter, much more quickly.
1: Got it. And so when people are like perfecting their cookies and their cakes and their breads and their mashed potatoes and all of these different things, that acid and base chemical reaction is what maybe adds the fluffiness. That's yeah, the bubbles okay. in,
0: in Swiss cheese. Well,
1: there's a hack for everyone. <laughs> it's the bubbles in Swiss cheese It is. Carbon baking. Oxide. I love it.
0: So yeah. if you use buttermilk and baking soda, you'll get some You'll get some action. If you've ever had buttermilk pancakes really made with real buttermilk, actually physically actual buttermilk, they get quite fluffy. It's super fluff. Yeah. And note well, it's a chemical reaction, and it takes time. So you make the batter for buttermilk pancakes. Let it sit there for a while, 10, 15 minutes, and you'll get a much fluffier cake of the pan.
1: Oh, yes. And that's what they say to do with cookie dough, too, and all these different things is to actually let well, there's it sit. Well, there's
0: a lot I to it. Really I mean, yeah, you know.
1: okay, this is all making more sense to me. Because a lot of people just follow these recipes, and they put it in the fridge for an hour, and they're like, I don't know why I'm putting it in the fridge for an hour. Maybe it's the cold, maybe it's whatever. So I love that. That's a great tip for for cook. What about cleaning? So I know that uh vinegar is a really powerful cleaning agent. Are there other well, it's types an acid. Of chemical okay? Is this an acid-based thing again here too? Yeah. Acids are great cleaners. So what types of acids could we be using if we were just getting natural cleaners? I was
0: gonna take you down the detergent road. Okay. So yeah. soap, there's evidence that people discovered soap in Babylon, Babylonia, 10,000 years ago. I, mean, I got a feeling soap was discovered probably in east africa many thousands of years ago we just don't have documentation of it so a soap molecule has this amazing property one end of the molecule sticks to oil and there's a fabulous science word oleophilic oil loving you know if you're um, if you're a god of love you're uh, if you're Phylos is Phyllos or phyllis yeah Yeah. Uh so one end sticks to oil the other end sticks to water one end is oleophilic the other end is hydrophilic and the the molecule is literally in a line like a chain and this is magical these detergents like this have magical properties Where it sticks to the grease in the pan and then the oil, uh, the water end sticks to water. And as you wash the water over the pan, it takes the oil away. Mm. I mean, it's just cool. I mean. Yeah.
1: So it, am I getting this right? That like the shampoo I use in my hair to extract my head oil is has the same fundamental soap property as the detergent I use to wash my dishes?
0: Yeah. But it okay. usually has all sorts of happy things to not uh, irritate your scalp.
1: Okay. So. I shouldn't use dawn in my hair <laughs>
0: uh, i won't say but i'll tell you it works so we did the hilarious bit where i got motor oil in my hair oh wow and you just you gotta break out something like that or seriously ivory soap it just or ivory liquid it works fine but you need a lot more of it it's a much milder yeah. detergent
1: if you get like bubble gum stuck in your hair that peanut butter gets it off
0: that may be the oil would stick to the oil that oil may be to
1: oil reaction
0: when uh, that's right because okay. the oil will stick okay. to the oil and you all know this water sticks to water mm-hmm. right and if you have a pan of water and put some droplets of oil on it olive oil Crisco one of these things it'll break up into circles or dots but okay. if you know if you push them together they'll they'll stick to each other, right? And form a bigger dot. Try that one, everybody.
1: That's a fun experiment too. I like that. And then
0: if you do that, what is a time-honored, amazing experiment when it comes to detergent? Dawn, off-brand dishwasher, method, uh, head and shoulders, shampoo, whatever you got. Get oil on the water on a, let's say a brownie pan, you know, a glass baking dish. Then touch the corner of a bar of soap, touch a a Q-tip style swab with... Head and shoulders on it, touch it to the surface, and whoop, the oil will run away. Wow. Chased away as if by magic. But it's not magic. <laughs> That's a really it, fun one, too. It's not magic. It's,
1: it's science. Yes. Yes. Yay. Woo. Okay. <laughs> Am I a good student so far? If I were in your science class, would I be getting like, okay, at least a 90, right? At least a 90 or above. <laughs> um, you can tell what kind of student I was, by the way. What can you tell us about how? um, hygiene works. I think this has been a big topic over the last year with COVID, the science of germs. How can we stay healthier?
0: You guys, the cleaner you keep things, the fewer bacteria around and the fewer things you have to throw away. When people say to me, what can I do about climate change? What can I do about climate change? There's, there's, recycling water bottles is good. Let's not waste resources. You know, don't throw plastic down the drain. Don't waste resources. Don't put unqualified plastics in the recycle bin, ones that your city or municipality doesn't accept. Don't contaminate the waste stream. Yeah. But here's a big one. Don't waste food. Hmm. We waste a lot of food. And uh, we do that by forgetting it's in the refrigerator. And this is a problem both... In the developed world and the developing world, where in the developed world we have so much refrigeration, we forget the food's there till it goes bad. Yeah. And then uh, in the developing world, they don't have enough refrigeration; and they can't keep the food fresh till it goes bad. So uh, along this line, you know, what you're going to do is have a mess from time to time, right? And so uh, what we want to do is wipe it up, not with the same towel we use to clean the floor or clean up after the dog much as I would love the dog. We wanted to use a paper towel, right? Let's say somewhere in your past, food has gone bad and it's all over the glass shelf of the refrigerator. Mm. You've spilled it and forgotten about it. It's on the floor and it's sticky. Mm-hmm. A bounty paper towel just works a lot better than anything.
1: Got it. It's so interesting the way that we use all of these cleaning products and how they do impact the environment, and also how we, how we throw things away, how we compost, how we recycle. So this does bring us to climate change, which I know is your most sought-after question. How screwed are we? Let's just be real. Are we, are we going to make it?
0: Well, we're, we're going to make it, if I understand that term. Humans are almost certainly the expression that I did not coin, is extinction-proof. You're okay. not going to kill everybody with climate change. But what is going to, if you use the term, are we, the expression, are we screwed, Mm -hmm. then I will take that as a cue that I can use the expression, the following things could really suck. Okay. If we uh, allow the ocean to get bigger and bigger as it gets warmer and chase people off the coastlines where 50% of the 8 billion, 7.8 billion people in the world live, where are they going to go when they're chased off their land by their homes? In exotic places like Norfolk, Virginia or Clearwater, Florida, where are they going to go when the ocean is in their front room, their living room?
2: Mm-hmm. In uh,
0: Miami, the Miami Beach has it's all these pumping systems, a lot of wealthy people. They may go another 20, 30 years without these difficulties. but in the town of Miami or the city of Miami, there's going to be trouble as the ocean gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And so uh, another happy demonstration you can do, science demonstration, you can set up all different ways. But imagine making a thermometer out of a bottle with water in it, a straw, drinking straw, that you can see through, and, um, and modeling clay to form a seal. Mm-hmm. So the bottle of water, straw, modeling clay, put that in a pot of hot water, and you'll see the water go up the straw like a thermometer. It is a thermometer. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Mm-hmm. When water gets warm, when almost everything, not everything, but almost everything gets warm, it expands. Molecules start moving faster and faster. They push each other farther and farther apart, true of liquids, gases, and solids. And so uh, as the world gets even a little bit warmer, you have something as big as the ocean and you make it store trillions, maybe it's even quadrillions of joules of heat, of BTUs of heat. It's going to get bigger. And mm-hmm. as it gets bigger, it's going to come onshore. Mm-hmm. As that happens and as um, farmland is reduced because cities are expanding and, and um, the deserts are getting bigger, not because there's less rainfall, but because the rainfall patterns have changed so drastically. Right. And so with all these changes, we have to find ways to do more with less. Anyway, with all these changes, it could really suck. For a lot of people. Right. But if we get to work now, we could make the world better for everybody. I am optimistic about the future.
1: OK, that's good.
0: Because your kids are going to be running the show. Yeah. And they're not going to put up with this denialism and contrarianism and cherry picking facts and just pretending what's happening isn't happening. They're not going to put up with that. Right. And they're going to okay. get her done. They're going to get right. her done.
1: I agree. I think so. What's your real estate prediction? I have to ask. So we, you know, we've got climate change moving people off the coast. Uh, there's wildfires every year where I live in California. There are freezes now in Texas. So if if you were to pick a spot to live in the next ten to twenty years, where would you live? There's
0: not too many good ones. <laughs> okay, e- okay. East Coast, you know, New Jersey. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll probably stave things off for a while. We'll see what happens if the Gulf Stream is deflected in a big way or Mm. slows way, way down. My goodness, people. Because the
1: weather patterns would just be all over the place.
0: And Europe will be cold instead of warm. Oh. There are palm trees in Southern Ireland because Mm -hmm. of the uh, Gulf Stream. this clockwise circulation around the North Atlantic. If that stops or slows down... A lot, which is many people predict or are concerned with. Let's go with that. What are you going to do with the millions and million, hundreds of millions of people that live in Europe and depend on the food they raise there? Hmm. What's hmm. going to happen? Then as right. droughts get bigger and bigger in what people in our part of the world call the Middle East, where are those people going to go when they can't right. raise food? And so on and so on. And so the sooner we get to work, the better. There's three things we want for everybody, Britt. Three things for everybody clean water, renewably produced electricity that's reliable, Mm -hmm. and the lights don't go out when the wind stops, kind of thing. Uh Uh-huh. And access to the internet, to information for everybody in the world. When you have those three things, what's the mythic giant goal you can achieve, Britt? World peace. Well, world peace, (laughs) world peace would result. I'm on the right track. World peace would say kind of right. If you had clean water, renewable electricity, and access to the internet for everybody in the world, you could have world peace. I'm pretty sure you can't have it without those three things. And the big goal above all that is raising the standard of living of girls and women.
1: Yes, please. I'm all about this one.
0: Well, when women have a better quality of life, they have fewer kids. The kids they do have are better cared for. They have more resources. Everybody is happier. When Mm -hmm. uh, the standard of living of women and girls is raised, let alone women and girls, everybody's happier when there's Mm. quality of life is better. So what we want to do is provide education for everyone in the world. And uh, that's where I mentioned the Internet or whatever people call the Internet in the coming decades. That's (laughs) how you can get out. The Internet, you know, is not perfect. You can get people that believe all sorts of just, how to say, nutcase things on the internet. But by and large, the internet has the ability, or global con- electronic connection has the ability to provide education to right. everybody. You want to provide the internet to everybody so they get solid information.
1: Right. And, and hopefully they're getting real information, legitimate information, which well, is but right, here's, oh, downside. So,
0: so hang on, Britt. There's one thing we want for everybody in the world as science educators, the ability to evaluate information.
1: Okay, I, I'll go with that. Please. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the, the phrase, you've probably heard it, you have kids in school, you probably heard it is critical thinking, right? We want everybody to be able to think critically. This doesn't mean to criticize things. <laughs> it means to be able to evaluate evidence, evaluate claims. In the United States, the world's third most populous country, third of a billion people, and in many ways, the world's leader in technologies. No other uh, space agency can put a rover on Mars right now. Mm-hmm. That's going to change in the next few weeks. Uh, but in, even in this society, we have people running around saying the Earth might be flat. Yeah. Like, no, the Earth is not flat. <laughs> What's happened? No, the I Earth. Know. What do you? What would make you? What would make anyone say that? And the answer right. is, I have failed. Bill Nye has let the whole earth down (laughs) by not showing people that the earth is round. Furthermore, the way people understood that the earth was round uh, thousands and thousands of years ago is so cool, I can't even stand it. So the ancient Greeks observed the shadow of the earth on the moon. And they noticed that the shadow was always curved, no matter what's happened, no matter where it is. Whoa, over here on the moon, over here on the moon. Am I standing this way? Is it upside? Uh, and they reasoned that the only shape that has this property to always produce a curved shadow is a ball, a sphere.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the earth is round, is the summary here. Yeah, and well, and here's if the If you cons- don't think that, then yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, so you can, we can all get angry with people, or people on my side of it can get angry and frustrated with people who make those claims. Right. But there's something deeper and wronger about all this. And that is, what is it that we have done in education that has enabled people to even think for a moment that the earth might be flat? What right. have we done? It's like, what have we not done? And while we're on it and failing as educators and everything being my fault, is we've got to reinstate the spiritual equivalent of civics class. Mm. We've got to get people to understand how this whole thing was set up. Right. We're going to have three branches of government. We're going to take a meeting every four years. Right. We're going to count these things. We just got to get to that. And I like to remind people, Britt, the U.S. Constitution, which is available in paperback, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8, refers to the progress of science and useful arts. Hmm. It's in the Constitution. Okay. Wow. Say what you will about the founding fathers. They may have, had, they may have been flawed people, but they had some good ideas. And they realized that science and the progress of science is of great value to a society. And the term useful arts to me is uh, 18th century usage for engineering, hmm. using hmm. science, our understanding of nature to make stuff, right. bridges, buildings, right. crops oh. that grow on top, Electronic
1: to- cars, all kinds of things. I think so. That's- Fascinating. Do you
0: have an electric car? Do you have an electric car? I do. Mm-hmm. Just while we're here listening to Uncle Bill go on and on, <laughs> good lucky you. So here's the thing about electric cars. I drive a Chevy Bolt happy uh-huh. car. It's, it's it's just my I favorite. Love Chevy Bolt. Uh-huh. It gets the engineering equivalent of 119 or 120 miles to the gallon. It's zero emissions. And the other thing about electric cars, and soon we're, we hope to electrify all ground transportation, cars, trains, trucks, buses. They don't know where the electricity comes from. If the electricity is produced in a coal-fired power plant, well, okay, the coal-fired power plant's polluting the air, all right. But the car is still 90% efficient. You know, a gas-powered car, because of this mythic constraint of the second law of thermodynamics, is barely 30% efficient. 70% of the energy just goes to heat. It's just Mm -hmm. wasted. Not so in electric car. Then, as we make our electrical sources renewable, sustainable, mm. uh, the cars will be ready. They don't know if it's a wind turbine or a nuclear power right. plant, or you know, And so, this is a marvelous idea. But another problem we're going to have is taking the cars that work very well, but. Still produce carbon dioxide, taking them right. off the road, and right. this is not an engineering or science problem. This is a policy. This
1: is policy, and yeah, electric vehicle tax rebates and all kinds of things. Well, and... it's
0: a we're going to take voting. We, people are going to have to vote.
1: Right. Yep. Well, you know, Bill, I I just have to say, wow, wow, we covered so many topics today. I I I do feel like I got. Many different signs. Well, they must have other things you
0: you want to ask me. Let's go to lightning round. Lightning Lightning round. round. Okay.
1: Lightning round. Lightning round. Um, Do you have a favorite planet? Earth. Great. Will you ever visit Mars in your lifetime?
0: Uh, I would visit Mars if I can come back. Okay. Everybody understand how hostile Mars is. (laughs) You would suffocate before you froze to death, but you would do both.
1: Okay. Which animals scare you the most?
0: Animals that's... Oh, the most dangerous animal to a human. I'm not joking you. The most dangerous animal, if you're a human, is a mosquito.
1: I hate mosquitoes. Dun, dun, dun. dun.
0: Because they carry these freaking things. The thing that's going to get you is not a lion, tiger, or bear. Yeah. Lions, tigers, and bears are not the issue, people. Your problem, our problem as big animals is germs and parasites. Spooky. Spooky.
1: What is behind a black
0: hole? So, the answer is obviously, clearly, absolutely nobody knows. <laughs> but what is amazing is uh, that we can even ponder them, that we can even understand that they exist. And, you know, recently people published the shadow of a black hole. In other words, they knew where it was and they knew there were stars beyond it. So, they yep. used the light from those stars and the gravity of the black hole. To produce this image because the gravity is so well understood. But note well, everybody, we don't know what you ask. Depends which cosmologist you talk to. We don't that's know right. 95. What 95 percent of the universe is? Some people say 94. Some say 96 percent. We don't know what it is. It's yeah. dark matter. That's what it is. It's dark matter. You can't see it. And then it's controlled by dark energy. That's it. Yes, that's it. Dark matter is <clears throat> dark energy. Yeah, dark. that's <laughs> done. Right. <clears throat> Good. Thank you. Yes, very good. Well, anyway, I think about my grandparents who, when they were born, nobody knew anything about relativity. Yep. Didn't know anything yep. about it. Einstein discovered it. We proved it's real. We have nuclear power plants that work because we understand it. And we have, new, we have magnetic resonance images, MRI, because we understand all this. Well, someday, maybe your kids, Brit, are going to understand dark matter and it's going to have profound so. effects. I'm
1: fascinated by what's out there and all the galaxies and... Yeah, I'm hopeful that specifically my kids are the ones that understand dark matter. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, Bill, in every episode, we leave our listeners with a homework assignment of the week. Which homework would you like to assign to our listeners for this week?
0: Don't waste food.
1: Don't waste food. I like that. That's a great and assignment. And respect compo- the food. Composted. And I, yeah.
0: I can't say enough good things about eating a meal together.
1: Ah, that's a beautiful one.
0: Just can't say enough good things. We all get in a hurry,
1: especially right now in pandemic times. Yeah, share a meal with one another. Don't waste your food. Invite a neighbor over, especially if you're vaccinated, and I bet you'll be happier afterwards. This was so great, Bill. I feel smarter already. So thank you for being here. And listeners at home, don't go anywhere because our special bonus conversation with Maya Bialik is coming up next.
0: Give her my best.
1: Hi, Mayam. It's so nice to have you here with us. Nice to be here. We just had an amazing chat with your buddy, Bill, um, who's now my buddy, Bill. So, And we're excited to learn more about the brain with you. You have a PhD in neuroscience. You have a podcast, which covers myths and misunderstandings about mental health. So what are some of your favorite topics that you've covered so far? And can you give us a teaser of some of the most interesting insights you've uncovered?
2: Well, you know, as someone who obviously spent many years studying the brain and nervous system, you know, there are, there are many things about the brain that we do know. And there are many things about the brain that we don't know. And one of the kind of most interesting fields, uh, I think, for a lot of people, especially these days, is the field of mental health and sort of that, that mind-body connection And I think that's one of the things I try to deal with on on my podcast in particular is that many of us have kind of this knowledge about the way our mind and our body is connected. But we just don't think of it that way or we haven't wanted to think of it that way because you think like it's hippy dippy or like it's out there. or That sounds crazy. But if you know anyone who gets a nervous stomach, that's literally the mind body connection or someone who before a date or before a job interview, when your stomach gets either tied in knots or you end up spending time in the restroom, Um, That's a perfect example of how anxiety has a connection to your gut in some people, but it's different in everyone. And that's what we've also talked a lot about on my podcast is everyone's got their thing. And for some people, it'll be migraines. And for other people, it'll be back pain or it'll be a nervous stomach. And for many people that can progress to anxiety, to anxiety attacks, to panic attacks and That's something that's come up a lot on my podcast in terms of what this last year and what a global pandemic is like for for our mind and our body.
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, it's such a pandemic in itself, right? The mental health pandemic that has been unearthed, especially in the last year that we are all dealing with now. At what point would you tell people they probably need to seek help versus like, oh, this is normal anxiety or normal headaches and migraines?
2: This is a great question. And I'm sure we all know, I'm sure we could all name five people off the top of our head who we say like, that person really needs help, you know? Um, and the fact is one of the ways that kind of the field of neuropsychology and, and psychiatry and, and even just kind of like therapy tends to think about it is how much of your day or how much of your time is being taken up dealing with dealing with things and those answers can be very revealing not only in terms of the time they take up but the intensity to which you experience them so for example if there's a global pandemic it's completely normal to feel stressed out to feel anxious um, to even feel isolated or depressed or to feel preoccupied but if many of your waking hours or the hours that you would have been spent sleeping are spent in intense rumination that's the kind of thing that is alerting you to possibly something else being unearthed that likely was there before that the pandemic is then bringing out and you know i'm one of those people who really does believe that everyone every single human could benefit from even three sessions with a good therapist if not more if not more. Oh my gosh. Anyone who Uh, says they're fine, don't trust them.
1: No. Well, I was that person on this podcast. I interviewed Lori Gottlieb, who wrote the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. She's a therapist who never thought she needed to see a therapist and then realized she needed to see a therapist. And (laughs) I was the same way. I didn't think I needed a therapist. And I went one time just because like, my husband had gone and I wanted to go... And now I'm obsessed. It's like my favorite thing I do. And I do it once a month just for like upkeep and maintenance. Right. Anyways, long story short, you guys. I go once a week, if not twice, and I don't want to give it up. <laughs> I mean, I would love to go more. It's incredible. It's my favorite thing. So anyways, uh, yes, everyone take care of that mental health. It's it's so important. You know, Mayim, I know you talk a lot about the brain and you've studied the brain in so many ways. So what are some of the coolest factoids about the brain?
2: One of my favorite factoids is is that the entire experience that we have as humans, meaning everything that we perceive, everything that we feel, yes, even true love, um, everything that we feel is literally governed by electrical impulses in the brain. And that's kind of the reason that I studied neuroscience is I wanted to understand kind of the smallest level that I could. Um, and yes, there are smaller levels than electrical impulses, but for me, that was about where I kind of landed, uh, because just the notion that when we take medication, anything from Tylenol to you know to Zoloft, like any medication we take, is is helping to I don't want to say manipulate, but is helping to adjust and shift uh, chemicals that lead to electrical impulses, and that in and of itself is is so phenomenal to me. Um, And it's, it's both humbling and also like really, really a connection to, I think, what can be a divine understanding of our existence. Like that tiny unit of electrical activity is really what does make us human. I know that's kind of an an obtuse one, but it's amazing. (laughs)
1: I like that one. I think it's really interesting to visualize that because the brain can be like so hard to understand for a lot of people, like the neurons and the things and blah, blah. Um, But I think if you I think can tell of you it the fun like one though little electric shocks. Okay, yeah, tell me let's, the fun okay. one.
2: Here's a fun one. So there's a map of your entire body in one portion of your brain, and it's called the homunculus. Um, it's literally a projection of your entire body, um, but it's not in the order that your body is. And there's a lot of interesting reasons for that. But um, the the most prominent regions are lips and hands and genitals, because in primates, those are extremely important. But in addition, feet are next to genitals, which um, my professor of neuroanatomy used to say, this may explain why some people like to have their feet touched. (laughs)
1: Um, what about right brains and left brains? Is that a real thing? Like, am I more creative if I'm right brain and I'm more analytical if I'm left brain? Uh,
2: the, the short answer is no, but the longer answer is yes. There is what's called laterality. There are there are preferential things that the sides of the brain tend to do. But the notion that there's this vast, significant difference between, even between male and female brains is, is also something that really makes for good popular science. But the fact is we're all kind of a mix. Um, and yes, there are people, you know, most people have language dominant in one hemisphere. Sometimes people have it in the other hemisphere. It doesn't seem to have any like super significant difference. Um, but, okay. but yes, there are certain, there are certain skills that you'll find on each side of the brain for sure.
1: Okay. And you said that male and female brains, I've always been fascinated by this yes. because, I have a book called The Female Brain, and it seems to lead me to believe that the female brain is different from the male brain. But my husband also studies neuroscience, and he says that our brains are actually genetically like 99.9% the same. Is this
2: true? But we're also that much the same with chimpanzees. So, you know, a lot can happen <laughs> in that, uh, that last percent. 0.1%. Right, right. Um, you know, the again, the the short answer is in every way that men and women can and should be able to you know, compete equally, work equally, our brains are completely capable of doing the same things, 100%. The longer answer is the hormones of of the female brain are different than the hormones of the male brain. Um, There are regions that are more specialized in men than in women. The notion that women tend to be more social, more verbal, that actually is backed up neuroanatomically. And this is, again, generally speaking. Someone will be like, but my husband is more talkative than me. I'm not talking about one individual person. I'm talking about over large samples and decades and decades and centuries of research and and neuroanatomy and things like that. And also the complexity in a society where we're understanding gender on this spectrum and sexuality on this spectrum has brought up fascinating things and fascinating studies about what does it mean to have a male brain versus a female brain. So I also want to give a nod to the ability oh. of the neuroanatomy and neuroscience worlds to, to not only compensate for those conversations, but be part of those conversations. And the endocrine world oh. is fascinating, but it does come up when you think about you know trans athletes and all these things, it's a fascinating conversation.
1: Okay, we're gonna have you back for that conversation because I am already having like a million questions in my mind. <laughs> Woo! the male brain and the female brain, all about those hormones. (laughs) So speaking of mental health and the brain, I've actually recently heard about this phenomenon called chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which is something that 25% of people, one in four apparently have. It's related to how like your body processes mold and it can lead to all these problems that you think are like mental health or gut problems or, but it's actually because you have mold in your body. So what? can we be doing to protect our mental health as it relates to germs and stuff in our house?
2: This is like a newer field and I'm learning about it too. But um, there's been a lot of conversation about like, if you have mold in your house, like you're right. It can lead to symptoms that like lead people down these like wild goose chases, like to figure out what's wrong with them. And in a lot of cases it is environmental. Uh, But during pandemic, I absolutely started realizing like, There's a different kind of sensitivity that I want to have now. And so it made me even more kind of conscious about the things that are in the environment that can affect us, especially when we're looking to keep our immune systems as strong as possible and looking to be as healthy as possible. So that is one thing that I did is I partnered with Bounty and exchanged all of my rags that I use 100,000 million times, which effectively are dragging bacteria around my house. And I switched to paper towels during pandemic.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that's something I think, you know, I, I'm looking at in my house, like my sponges, all these things that I just oh, don't think it's- to like throw away. But then I'm like inhaling bacteria. We got so many air purifiers during yes. COVID because I just wasn't sure what was in the air. And but I just didn't understand. I thought that made me sick, like physically, like COVID, but not like my mental health could be. No, this is like, yeah. And this is,
2: this is also something that, you know, a lot of the holistic community has been talking about for a long time that now is reaching the mainstream. And that's also like a great tie in back to sort of why I do my podcast is because there's a lot of things we used to dismiss that are making their way into the mainstream and there actually is science behind them. So I think it's important also to, to focus on that.
1: Yes, we do believe in science here, here on this podcast. Good. Um, Mayim, we like to leave our listeners with one piece of homework for each of these episodes. So I'm curious, what one assignment would you recommend to our lovely listeners as it relates to mental health or the brain and navigating this new world we're living
2: in? A gratitude list. Do it in the morning. Do it before bed. Why? Do it in bed. Um... You know this is one of those kind of you know things again that's often dismissed as like you know pop psychology or positive psychology and a lot of people you know feel ick about that um having an awareness of any even small abundance in your life can really shift um it can shift your perspective and in science terms it does shift the way your brain starts to organize your day and the way your brain organizes how your day went as you go into the evening. So that's real science. And that's a great example of kind of that mind-body connection when you put positivity into your mind, even for small things. Some days my gratitude list is like, my cat, her toes are cute. Like, and that's about as much as I can muster. (laughs) Are they painted? I have more questions about that later. (laughs) No, just like she has really cute pads. She's black, she's like black and white. But her little pads of her toes are pink. And just some days that's like enough to make me really happy that that exists. But it does oh absolutely God. shift. That's science. <laughs> yeah. Well, find
1: your joy. And I love that because I think a lot of people might think that's like a hokey, holistic. No, it actually thing. But but starts a-
2: rewiring the chemicals in your brain and how you frame things. It really does make a difference. Yeah.
1: Well, there you go, you guys. Now you know. Mayan. thank you so much for being here with us today. Where can we find you to follow you and learn more?
2: Um, I am Miss Mayam on Instagram and those kinds of places and Mayam Bialik's Breakdown. You can go to BialikBreakdown.com and you can uh, listen on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts or we're also on my YouTube channel if you'd like to see what me and my fine co-host look like. We wear matching outfits every episode.
1: Well, that's impressive. <laughs> Thanks, Mayam. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Brit Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit & Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Allie Ives and Allie Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemerjay-Z and Aaron Peterson.